Oh my god, this feels so good. You already know who it is, dude. It's the highest host, Adam Ochoa, and I'm right here. This, this is the first like official podcast from the Dank Lab Studio. And it's so good to be here. A little setup. We're doing this live on Twitch as well. And shout out to anybody who's listening to this wherever you're at. If you're in your car or at work or at the grow or in your dispensary or just chilling with the homies in the garage. I don't know where the fuck you're at, but we appreciate you. Thank you for spending time with us, of course, tickling them ebonies and ivories. Kentron on the keys. What? Feeling that California love? Yeah, trying to wave and play the bass line at the same time. hard, dog. You're waving with the blunt in your hand and playing the bass line. I see you, dude. And of course, um, we got a great show. Uh, I'm super interested in this episode because I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot like everyone else uh, will because, you know, we try to do that. And I got a man sitting next to me. You probably see him already live, but if you just listen to the audio, wherever you're listening to it, uh, Apple Music or fucking Spotify or Google Play or podcast, whatever, dude, wherever you find them, we out here, we got a man who's, I think his official title is a VP of content over for High Times, one of the most recognizable brands in the world. Uh, I've got to travel with him uh, around the world, actually international in some uh, countries because of cannabis. Uh, hosted many events, did a lot of things with him. And uh, you probably recognize him by them glasses and the beard, dude. I'm talking about the one, Mr. John Capetta, baby. Hi. What's good, buddy? You know, just chilling out high as fuck in the new spot. Thank you for having me. The spot is awesome. I was just commenting I, before we started recording. The setup here looks great. So I'm excited to see what you do in this spot. You know, little 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 new content HQ, little little things happening. So we figuring it out, but I appreciate you officially. You know, we've done some uh, little practice shows here. I've taken live phone calls. We got access to a whole bunch of things. But, you know, right now I just want to talk to Mr. John Capetta, dude, because, you know, we've shared a lot of experiences around the world. We got to, uh, uh, because of cannabis, and uh, thank you for, for the opportunities. But I, I found out some shit, dude. Like, you, we share something in common that I never knew. You used to do street team shit? Oh, yeah, bro. I mean, I, I, so I came up when I was a kid. Uh, I what do was, you mean kid? Like, define kid. So I mean, like, 12 and 13 okay. years old. When so I was really, like, really young and my friends started going to concerts, I didn't have money to do any of that stuff. I lived in a... Uh, in a a nicer area but um in an area where i was in like the like of my friend group everyone else's parents had more disposable income to like let them do shit right so i learned this is you're on the east coast you're from the east coast on long island okay Um, i hear long island is kind of like the valley of new york it really is it's the suburbs right so i mean let's go the uh Actually, Westchester might be a little bit better because it's right north of the city. Um, But Long Island is the same thing, right? It's just like a bunch of like people, a lot of people who commute into the city and uh, are, you know, just want to have more space. Right. You know, space for the kids and stuff. Some land. Exactly. So um, my parents moved us to a nicer area because it had a really good school district. And that's what my mom really cared about. Um, Education. Yeah, right. But uh, they were like punching up a little bit, right? So, um most of my most of my friends uh you know they were like going to concerts and doing like you know cool shit from a really young age and like i learned pretty young that like if i 
could offer some sort of value to like the band or the label or whatever that like I could do those things for free. Um, and that's really where that journey started. Um, a lot of my life is kind of like on the pursuit of doing things in, I would say like the cheapest way possible, which is like not because, the most budgeted way. Let's say it's most budgeted way. But I would say like, because like I wanted to do again, like punching up, right. Trying to do things. I mean, I like 12, 13, you don't really have money. You don't have income. So you're like, how can I do this without well, so spending? Totally. But I mean, like even in a sense of like, not only with that stuff, but as I was growing up, like, you know, I started throwing concerts and like, I was signing guarantees for money that I didn't have that like if the show didn't go well like I would have been fucked you and this know is as I mean? like a teenager yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like uh probably but I started throwing shows when I was like 15 16 and that was because um most of my friends had like bands and stuff like that and so basically we figured out that like if I played this like third party agency agent or manager people would take them more seriously right right uh, and then it kind of snowballed into like we could just build the show and then cut in margin for those kind of efforts you know um, and so when I got to college that was when the show stuff really started going crazy but I mean from the time I was like 14 15 years old I was like getting backstage getting on stage at places like did you have any older siblings or was this older friends? So it was older friends. Um, I went to a travel camp when I was younger. And I had, when I was like starting from when I was probably like 11, What's, 12 years like old. Like a travel camp is you just go to camp and they travel? or So it's, it's basically. Was it like a sporting camp? It's basically like for kids who don't want to go to sleepaway camp. It's like <laughs> a way for like your parents to get you out of the house, but like not. Like, with the basic, like, when you're too old for, like, campy type shit, like, oh, we're going to swim today or whatever. Right. Like, this is like, okay, we'll go to an amusement park this day. And then this day we'll go on, like, you know, to an arcade or whatever. Cooler Um, things. Yeah, cooler things, but also, like, for, like, you know, for tweens and teenagers, right? Right. So um, that was, like, a a wider, you know, age group. Um, And that was, like, the first time I was hanging out with, like, kids, like, significantly older than me that weren't, like, related to me. And so that's where I learned about music and shit like that. I started learning about punk music and, like, you know, just there was fun shit outside of, like, what I knew immediately. And, uh, yeah, that kind of... So what? So it evolved. So you were. So here you are. Okay, little little John Capetta, growing up in uh, Long Island. You out here. You were. Did you always like music? Was that what you were like always listening to as a student? Like, how were you as a student? Were you so paying? music and art were always my focus. Like, I was actually, I was prescribed like ADD medicine and shit like that from a really young age because I was always doodling in my in my you know school notebooks and my mom thought that that was like a problem so like she wanted me to be medicated and so she was like not letting school. your creativity flow she's like you need okay yeah basically um so, so the late 1900s methods yeah exactly exactly <laughs> big, the classic big pharma shit yeah, yeah. um get them on as young as you can you know uh but it ended up uh working out because the music space um was a place where Everyone like in my town was like into sports and you know shit that was like a little bit more like mainstream. So music was a spot where like I could really find a, a group of friends where I could be weird with and not like have to conform to what you know my school right. wanted me to be. You know, it what could I mean? be you exactly. And then like once you know, I think probably the first time I was at like on stage at Warp Tour watching a band play, I was like, "There's really." I, this shit's a snowball. I can just keep pushing this and like, let's see where it goes, you know? 
And uh, I pushed that snowball until I was like 25 years old when I came out here. The only reason why I didn't keep pushing it was because I found out that tech brands spent more money than music companies and I started consulting over there. So so it just kind of organically just happened as you just you're like yo i'm a little teenager i'm gonna start throwing these parties i'm sure the networking happened and well it got bigger and then once i got to college um there was like a local venue in in town that had uh downstairs was a club upstairs was a live music venue so first we did some club shows and that was going well then they gave us we ended up getting two nights uh a week at both venues um, so that kind of taught. It was me just like weekly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of taught me the ins and outs. Listen, weekly events are fucking work, bro. Bro, not <laughs> only that, not only that, we took on two, the two off nights of the week, the Tuesdays and the Thursdays. Okay. Um, and we had one live music venue and one club. So the club was always easy because we could just plug any DJ in, right? right? The live m- music venue is not that easy to like repeat, you know. So like it. At the beginning, we were trying to be like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll give you one night and see how it goes and like, you know, whatever. By, you know, the second year, we were like, all right, you get one, you get the first Tuesday of the month, you get the second Tuesday of the month. And like this way, we kind of made made more of a structure to it. But um, it was a lot of learning on the fly and like, you know, shitty events that like we had to figure out how we we're going to make them I mean, cool. No one really knows what the fuck we're doing in life. We don't really know what's happening. We just kind of go with it and we figure shit out as we go along and... Well, in, in school, it was also because in New Paltz, it was because where I went to college. Um, it was also because there was a lot of like I went to like a heady school, like a, a liberal arts college. Right. <laughs> and like there was a lot of like jam bands that were playing and shit like that. And like this was like right as like Skrillex was coming out and like, you know, like electronic music was really st- like bro step was really or dubstep was really becoming bro step um, before EDM was like, you know, everywhere. And uh yeah, uh, it kind of obviously. I mean, we've seen over the last couple of years how that music has become has gone everywhere. But um, for me, I was kind of just riding the wave because that's what I was listening to, and I was sick of not of like having to go see jam bands. Right. You know what I mean? You're like, I'm just going with it. Dude. So, alright. So I'm gonna ask you right now. Seems like you were just in it. Music was it. When, when was cannabis involved? Because right now you work with one of the most, and we're going to get into the story of how you got to uh, becoming working for High Times. But uh, where was weed involved in all this? Were you, because you were hanging out with older kids. Was it at travel camp? Was so it? Weed, weed was everywhere. I mean, I think I, I smoked weed for the first time at like my first real house party. And like, I actually. Like I, a high school house party? Like middle school house party. Okay. And uh, the only reason, like, it's funny because like the only reason I even hung out with the kids that I smoked with was because there was weed available with them like somebody had like who was friends with them was like oh we're gonna go try smoking do you want to do it and then like i didn't want to hang out with those kids but i wanted to try smoking right so like it didn't become like a big part of my life until like i mean that was when i was 12 years old so like I and what, I what was it that you guys were smoking where they passed around a joint yeah it was joint it was joint someone's older brother enrolled like it was like and not the, and they were like oh a 12 year old kid yeah here hit that shit i mean it was probably a 15 year old kid who they got it from you know what i mean so it wasn't like so when i was 15 i don't think i was trying to smoke out 12 year olds I mean, I was, I was still kind of concerned as a 15 year old. Probably. I mean, like, that's fair. But also, like, yeah, well, I mean, if they were, uh, you don't know, you're at a fucking house party. You yeah, don't know if the kid's 12 or fucking 14. Yeah, I, I don't know it. what he I don't know what he did to get that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, maybe he took over his brother's chores for a month so that he would, you right. know, he or would he give just him a joint. Stole you know? his parents sack. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point too. It could have he could have said it was all his older brothers. He was covering for his parents. Yeah, you know what I mean. We were like, oh, you're going to your first party. Like, you want to try this? So you uh, so you sw- you got in the circle. You smoked a joint. Were you you were like whatever? Um, it wasn't a super memorable experience. Other than like, oh, this is cool. Like, I tried it. It's not so bad. Um, I don't even think I like really got high or anything like that. But then like. The next year when I got into high school, um, it became started becoming a lot more like around. And then it became like, OK, we can do this and hide it from our parents and not, you know, become something that anybody will see. You know what I mean? Um, but then, like, eventually it got to a point where I liked it so much that uh, I couldn't afford it like the same way with with uh, the going to concerts and shit. Exactly. Yeah. With shows. So um, I started picking up more where I would get fronted like an ounce at that point and like each of my friends would take a quarter and that would pay for the ounce so I would get a quarter too you know what I mean and then kept- uh, that's the story that's how it all starts bro exactly if you get the plug and you're like yo you know what I'll just hook up the homies and have them pay for it and I'll keep the weed and I'll smoke their weed with them exactly, <laughs> exactly. well actually when I was in college bro I was like really trying to maximize the shit and I was like really broke so I was only selling grams at that point and like fucking kids would come over because okay so my fr- freshman year at college we got kicked out of the dorms and like they tried to kick me out of school and like I wrote them a really nice letter that was like please don't kick me out we made a mistake we're kids um, and they were like okay yeah no problem um, come back but you can't stay on campus so we got a house off campus and uh that ended up being like great for distribution because now anybody who lived on campus would like pull up to our house, buy a gram, and then smoke it there before they went back because they were worried about smoking on campus. Right. They heard the horror stories of us getting kicked out. And uh, yeah, it ended up being like a nice little operation. Out here making that money, dude. Bro, I never... I. I'm very comfortable saying this. I never made any money from selling weed. I like I, you know, it the just biggie, supported my habit. It, it supported my habit. But you know, like the biggie mm-hmm. line, like never get high on your own supply. Like I always had to put more money in every single time. That, like like oh fuck, I'm forty bucks short. I'm sixty bucks short. You know what I mean? Yeah. Speaking of which, um, I know we do this live, and there's a live chat too, and they're bugging, dude. So let's get to it because it's about to be four twenty. So oh, I see shit, you're smoking. What are you smoking on right now? No, you're good, dude. So uh, this is uh, a homie just actually rolled up some of this stuff for me um she makes she's got a bunch of different random shit but so i don't even remember what i'm smoking right now Um, just a fatty yeah just it's honestly it's a fat pre-roll that when i'm (laughs) i was leaving my house quickly because i had a bunch of shit i had to get done today and uh, i was like oh okay these are already rolled up you know Uh, happy 420 happy 420 yes so okay so here you are doing a lot of music just starting to throw parties. I heard you also were like acting. You said you were act, you were like uh, acting like a manager, getting booking the bands. Yeah, I, I never really got paid for that. It was more like uh, <laughs> let me hook my friends up. Yeah, exactly. Like honestly, and and what I would really try and encourage them to do is like, look, you could just make an email address that like is somebody else and operate it. And like I would have to usually show them for a little while before they would do it themselves. Yeah, but yeah. That was always the goal. It's like, hey, you do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, when someone else does it. What I learned, because uh, you know, it's happened. I've, I've interviewed many people where they said they had to do this, where they were pretending to be someone else representing them, so it's not them directly talking yep. to said who, person. So, well, it's hard. It's easier for someone to get one over on you when it's like, oh man, I only got this, whatever. Like, yeah. All right, well, sorry, my client just can't do that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Versus like, oh, it's not the goodness of my heart. It's I'm a person who gets paid off of whether or not my client gets paid. So, and you ain't paying, we ain't working. Yeah, Bye. We don't do charity. Yeah, no, that's... We do charity, but, like, you know, when we want to. So you're doing music, doing these events, figuring it out. 
this is were you were you doing content then like what time because this is like teenage this is like late 90s early so thousands i oh i mean like myspace and all that shit had popped off i had a live journal and that was fucking popular um but and like i, I was always online i was serial like serial how are, yeah how online. are you filling up the clubs how are you getting people that in was it? all i mean like this was back in the time especially like when we first started throwing shows this was back when facebook would let you just send invites to everybody before they started monetizing all that shit i built that whole business off of instagram's event functionality <laughs> like we we would like okay so after i got out of college when i was like in working in new york for this company, and what'd you go to college for uh i got my degrees are in journalism and public relations but um i initially thought i was going to go for a marketing degree and then i realized what i had to do for a business degree like all the extra bullshit and i was like i could just take art classes i'm fine with that <laughs> let me make my parents proud yeah well, get this degree exactly i just need to, I, I was like i didn't even want to go to school to, to college to be honest i was like i learned by doing like i'll just go move to the city and fucking figure it out right um but my mom made me tour a bunch of colleges because like she, she was just an academic so she was always like you know whatever um and when i went to visit new Paltz, they had a their soccer fields they called the tripping fields and they were like yeah these have been around since the 60s i was like oh the tripping fields the tripping fields what are those about but yeah. were you so you were because at 12 you smoked you didn't really like it when did you really start i, I wouldn't say i didn't like it well, i just it you wasn't didn't, yeah that experience wasn't the best yeah i just didn't have the aha moment but yeah I, yeah i would say by the time i was 14 we were smoking regularly and that was like me and my friend group because like again the first time i smoked was not with my friends friend, yeah it was just the opportunity was at a house party and they're like yo you want to get a high kid honestly it was like kids <laughs> who i'd like played like actually it was sbl like uh the fucking sausage basketball league with um and they you know you were in a you were in a basketball league. Yeah. My, okay. So you were an athlete when I was a kid, <laughs> an athlete, a Jewish athlete. Come on, I'm not a Maccabee, bro. Um, but uh, what, what was I saying? Um, the Maccabee thing. <laughs> I forgot I have those. Um, okay. Uh, uh, we were talking about SBL, your basketball so athlete. Life. I I wanted to be online from like the second. My, we got a computer in my house. Um, I remember AOL. Like I spent a ton of time on AOL. Um, I love it. My parents used to try and prime me off the computer, and like even like when we go to like my family, like family's house for holidays, whatever, you'd bring like, that CD for the free thirty hours and put it in and install I would just, it. I would just play whatever <laughs> games they had on their computer. Okay. You know what I mean? And like they was like when Dell had like fucking like pinball and like, paint shit, yeah, and all that. I would just like I just wanted to be on the computer, right. you know. And it was funny because my mom always used to tell me like when I was a kid, like you're never gonna make any money off the computer or off drugs. And like <laughs> at one point I was already making money off drugs, yeah. and she told me that, and I was like, well, you know, that's not entirely true. Yeah. Um, That's why I never ask you for money, mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, honestly, I, I will say like uh, my parents have been super supportive, and like I do, I, I remember when I first like mentioned to them um, like, hey, this opportunity is coming up. Like, I think I'm gonna go do this because I can't really pass it up. Um, are you okay? Like, is, is, are you, you gonna freak out? You know what I mean? And uh, my mom was actually who like is not a consumer was actually the one who was first like well i'm not gonna be stoked to tell my parent my friends about it but like you know if that's what makes you happy and so they've always been good if like you know when i wanted to explore music and things that they didn't think was you know gonna make money um but you know again it's hustle mentality I mean, you know growing up i think the parents always have to be parents and tell you like oh you shouldn't you shouldn't but then when they realize you're a good person and you're not like destroying your life because of it they end up accepting it and then they so, end up asking you for it when i threw my <laughs> when i threw the first show in brooklyn um after i got out of college or well actually when, during my senior year of college uh my parents actually came to that one and that was like in the middle of a blizzard like it was fucking 
you like, invited we, them oh yeah, yeah we oversold tickets because well, they were like what you, like you know because i was i was a mess the month before like i had, that was the first time i had told somebody i was going to give them five thousand dollars and I didn't have $5,000 at all, like, like at all. Um, and the buddy who I was doing stuff with had like maybe like $1,500, you know what I mean? But like definitely not money for whatever. And uh, it was a Wednesday in the middle of December and it was, you know, you know, Borgor? Yeah. The Israeli dubstep DJ. It was yeah. his first New York headlining show. And uh, like we were going to do it at Webster Hall and then Webster Hall tried like called Borgor's people and tried to like take it from us and be like, oh, we don't need these fucking kids. Like, let's just do it, whatever. And so they called me and we're like, these guys are trying to fuck you. Like, do you sure you want to do it there? And I was like, nah, fuck them. So we went to uh, Bowery Presents and it actually, that was fantastic. Ended up being huge because Bowery Presents were like really helpful uh, in my career when I, when I got out of college and was like doing marketing for shows and stuff. And that's like, that's a venue. So they are now, were now acquired by Believe AEG, but they owned the Bowery Ballroom. They owned, uh, uh, music Hall Williamsburg and a bunch of other venues. Mercury so they venues, venues, but they were really like a, the promoting company okay. that like owned it, right? So they do. They actually do. Um, their part owners a Cloud Nine Destination. So I don't know if you ever heard of Jam Cruise or like Holy Shit, but like the festival uh, festival. I think I heard of Holy Shit. Cruise. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's their stuff. Um, they're just really good and smart and forward thinking, whatever. But this is the first time they'd ever seen a dubstep show. They had no idea what was coming, and uh, it ended like it was a six hundred fifty person room, I think, and we sold eight hundred fifty tickets. What? And, uh, it, big sellouts. Yeah. So like my parents showed up and like they were like not expecting. They just expected like, you know, a bunch of my friends fucking dancing around. They didn't expect it to be like, you know, a fucking packed house. Right. So, like, they had a st- hang out up top because there was like literally no room on the ground. And like and those my, shows get pretty intense, though. Yeah. Like, yeah, the yeah. Dance floor is a little. Yeah. But like that was like the first like, OK, we get that there's something to what you're talking about. Moment. Um, but with the cannabis stuff, uh, like my parents know what high times is you know what i mean so it's not like this was like a oh you're going to some you know random brand you know what i mean it was like okay you're going to a major brand in the space like yeah you can do that publicly and and high times how did you get involved with high times because you've been there for a a good minute now so i've been there since the acquisition um i was at an agency called fabric media um when the acquisition happened um and i was kind of showing people cool weed stuff uh, who were involved in the acquisition and so um my agency was helping them like communicate like the we did the high times got acquired announcement we did the cannabis cup announcements all that shit um so i was kind of in the right ears and eventually when i was gonna take a just like a creative I, I needed to i was creatively starved and needed to get the fuck out of town for a little while um i was gonna go to thailand and just you know fuck around and find out yeah just yeah <laughs> fuck around find out but like no no like kind of like like re rediscover like a purpose um and then they offered me the vp job and it was like all right well this is a fucking dream come true let's try it out but i always i always wanted to be the behind the scenes guy i like never really wanted any attention i like thought it was better to like kind of hide um obviously the last few years have kind of changed that for me but um Things like back in the day, like producing shows for other people and being the guy that just handled the mechanics of it and then like got to do all of the fun shit without having to like talk to anybody was like a really nice place to sit for me, you know? It's uh, just like organic, you're just whole vibe with life you're just like yeah i'm just gonna go with the fucking flow i'm just look i'm just gonna follow what i like these are my passions i like concerts and throwing shows so i'm just gonna do them and 
figure out how to make it happen. And So do you remember Dash Radio? Yeah, of course. Okay, so Dash Radio was one of my clients at Fabric. And that was like... If that Fabric, what you said, was an agency. Yeah. And how did you get involved with Fabric? It was just a... I found them when I got out, like a really weird series of uh, finding each other. Um, and the guy who ran it, uh, who runs it, Jason DeMott, is like my mentor. He's taught me so much. But um, basically, uh, I applied to something and he hit me up. He's like, you know what a growth hacker is? I was like, no. He's like, all right, well, you're a growth hacker and we are going to figure out how to make what's a growth hacker so a growth hacker is just somebody who like i mean like do you understand like what the concept of hacking is it's basically like trying to use the tools at your disposal to like create new solutions without like you know without following a rule a rule book or a a manual right hacking the system exactly so uh growth hacker is just like how do you get a lot of attention to something really quickly without you know a ton of effort and so again so like i was saying before about like i like to do things like cheaply or minimum viable products i call it right um but like also what can like work smarter, not harder. What can we do to drive the most impact without having to like, you know, break our balls? That's yeah. Been, that's, work, work smart, not hard. Exactly. And yeah. that's been, uh, it, you know, so with the agency, I mean, the agency did was all over the map. We did, uh, we represented a bunch of companies in the data space. So we were doing um, this company called iSpot TV, which was like the first one who was like measuring app TV advertising. Um, those guys were like, an incredible client because I got to just play around in their database all day and like figure out what companies like Geico and you know whatever we're spending on. So TV. you're just looking at just data analytics, just all sorts of. I'm looking the- at the numbers that companies like every major company is spending on television every week, and I am Budget. quantifying that. Yeah, but like while I'm doing this, I'm like, oh shit, okay, there are major brands out there who are spending crazy amounts of money to generate, and I'm seeing what they're generating, right? So like, okay, how Geico, do I tap in? Yeah, well, <laughs> well, listen, so like if Geico fucking spent $14 million on TV last week and it only generated them 2, million, or 2 billion impressions, like how can I do that for 1.4? You know what I mean? Like if I could, sh- that's not that crazy. And especially with like internet numbers, like yeah. there are ways to make that shit happen that like, you know, you don't even need to, to break 1.4. You know what I mean? Um, so that's the kind of stuff that I would think about. And like also communicate to the marketplace. Like probably the craziest thing we did was, you remember Bill O'Reilly? The Fox News yeah, broadcaster? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Fuck he, it, we'll do it live. So when he was going down for the sexual uh, assault stuff, um, the number was $30 million that Fox News had spent covering up his bullshit. So I went into the database and I found out that he's been on the air for 10 seasons and he makes about $30 million in TV advertising per season. So that's a 10% cut of what they've made off of him just on first run advertising. That's actually not a bad investment from a business standpoint, right? Like you lose 10% to loss and all sorts of bullshit, right? So I'm not saying he's a good guy or we should promote him, but whatever. That was fucking, that, it, what, yeah. it justified why they did it, right? So I gave it to my friend Emily at the New York Times and she published it and it got, it Oop. blew up Oop. and uh, she won a Pulitzer Prize off of it. Oop. Yeah. Oop. So yeah. Your, your research in- Literally hanging out in a database. Your research basically discovered some things that got a Pulitzer prize winning journalist she did all sorts of other research i'm yeah, not yeah. trying to say that like that won no, her a pulitzer no, i'm just saying your research was part of a story sparked that her interest in that she was covering it anyway okay this okay. is just this is just something part of it, part that of we it. gave her something that was part of her okay, story okay, okay. that 
want to pull. I was like, you know what, dog? Fucking, I, no. I appreciate that. I, I'm not. John, I'll be like, yo, yeah, my shit sparked that whole shit. That whole <laughs> investigation and sparked her interest. She ran with it. She nah, did it more was, journalistic shit. This she was around. It. This was around when the Me Too stuff was happening. So all these guys Oof. were going down Oof. all the time. Yes. People were looking for whatever. So as these yeah. guys were like going down, I was also, and this was wasn't just like this was around the Super Bowl too. We would go and just look at when these brands Super Bowl ads started coming. Do, we made a whole a whole um, center for media to come in and see like, okay, Pepsi spending this much money running their ads before it even gets the Super Bowl, so they must run something different during the Super Bowl that's gonna like be the punchline to this joke. You know what I mean? Right. And so like for like you know Ad Week and Ad Nation News and all those guys like they like they love those stories. So again, a lot of this was just like playing around and serving up stuff like that. Then. When Dash Radio came to my plate, that was the first time that I realized that like curation was a very special offering, right? And not just like, because I've always been an art buff, I've always like had an affinity for all these things, but I never really shared them besides like amongst my immediate community. So once I realized that like, okay, there's value in like curating certain things, that's what I try to do for all of my clients. And then high times, it, you know, just became doing that for the brand. Making it just going with it, dude. Just rolling with the flow. Just going, just going with the flow, dude. And it seems like it's been working for you. Just- I've been very lucky. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, listen, I will say that when in New York, there's a little bit of different work culture. Like, oh, I just came back from New York. It's different. I could tell I'm from California, dude. Just walking on the sidewalk, I felt like I was in the way. <laughs> That's a good way of explaining it, because like it, it's a, the hustle culture out there is crazy. Like you gotta you gotta <laughs> kill to eat every day. They're and like like they I, live I would, in shoe boxes. They like they they have to fucking be on top of each other. Like it's a it's a weird life, but the energy is incredible. No, right? they it was it was chaotic. It was, I was outside just trying to smoke a blunt and it was just, I think I see 5,000 people walk by me and I was in the way. And then I was like, you know what? Let me just walk around the street real quick. And I felt like I was in the way even walking, dude. I'm making my way downtown, walking fast. <laughs> people pass me by. Listen, I was walking, dude. And I thought I was just chilling on a pace and I just... New York is a vibe. People dude. are fucking brushing aside you. And what's up, dude? What's up? You're from New York. You're from New York. I went into like five bodegas because they're everywhere now. Yep. It's like it's like. Oh wait, no, no, you're not. You're not talking about a bodega. You're talking about like trap dispensaries, like a weed shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they a they sell in New York, bro. Is like a 24 hour deli that like sells cigarettes and fucking everything else that you could you know go get a milkshake. Well, that they fu- the they were like stores that sold everything, and then they had a drawer of weed. Oh, because now in New York, it's just like open. Oh, so there's there's a lot of these like fake shops now that like like CBD shops that have like a fake wall that you go into. I went into those. I went into those. I went into head shops that sell weed. I went into food stores that sell weed. I was just walking the streets, dude. The hype stores, a lot of the ones that sell exotic snacks. Where is the fucking haze? Where's the fucking piff? No one had that shit. They were all trying to show me the California shit. This is from Colorado. This is from Maine. This is that fucking Boston. No, I wanted some like New York. So, okay. Like, so I want that sour. But, you ever had that New York sour? Yeah, I wanted the sour. All right. <laughs> I'm so, sorry. No, no, you're good. I um, couldn't find it. I was very <laughs> disappointed. But the people that you're hanging with, though, are like our California guys. They're guys who are like coming. And like I say this with respect, but like I actually. 
I have a little bit of a different feeling about where New York is going to go over the next few years. I know a lot of the brands from California who have been dominating that market. I'm not trying to take that away from them. Um, are I didn't still have the a, California still have a stranglehold, but New York loves its own shit, bro. And there are a lot of cultivators that are coming up that are not. I wouldn't say they're at the level yet, but that are like are trying very hard and care enough. You know what I mean? So like, yes, New York's been one of the biggest cannabis consuming markets in the world forever. Right now, we're just getting to a place where we can sell to them legally. So that's why everyone is jumping at, at it so hard right now because they already know that all the smokers are there. I mean, everyone smokes in New York. You know what I mean? I've been I've been walking down. The, when I was in college, I would take the train into Grand Central and have to walk to Penn Station to uh, go to my parents. And it would be like a two-hour train from New Paltz to Grand Central and then an hour from there. So on that walk from Grand Central to Penn Station, I would smoke a joint every single time so that I was high for the way back and because my high had already worn off from when I was in New Paltz. And uh, it was like smoking down the street every every time no one ever said anything. And so like it's not like there's the culture was or like it was ever hidden or like you know that like it was really whatever. It's just that like it's really been a tool of oppression there. You know what I mean? Like it's really been like stop and frisk really scarred New York for a long time. And, uh, you know, just this, the whole smelling weed, so, like, leading to other shit, like... I mean, I'd rather smell weed than, yeah, than other things that I was smelling on the streets out there. A hundred... I mean, well, New York, New York streets smell like piss. Like, that's, like, uh, you know... That's... Actually, it's, it's so funny to me. I was looking at a place downtown, and I have so many friends who are like, oh, you live in the west side. Like, why would you ever go downtown? Like, it's such a shithole down there. It's like, I, I'm not... That doesn't bother me as much. You know what I mean? Like, there's... Anywhere you go in New York, like, even the nicest parts, like... You got to deal with some level of trash, you know? So most of the time out here, like the buildings and all that, the setup is actually nicer. It's just that, you know, you guys are bougie. <laughs> what do you mean? Like you expect that, like, you know, just because they're, it's a city, it's a city that like, it should be clean. No, no, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, look at LA, bro. It's just crazy. That's what I, that's LA, what I mean. LA's that's what I mean. Everyone acts LA, so like downtown, a surprise. No, downtown LA. I mean, most downtowns aren't the best downtowns. But I was just upset that I couldn't find any of the sour, dude. I mean, downtown, downtown in New York is a financial district, so that's real nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what downtown is in New York because everything is the fucking skyscrapers and the big. I'm see, from the suburbs. You of can't that. see it. Anywhere. I'm in the valley, dude. The, like downtown to me is big buildings, so like. When I was in New York, dude, I couldn't even see the sky. It was just like a little sliver of sky. I was like, yo, can I just... You went for the cookies opening, I'm assuming? No, I went for the secret sesh. Oh, for secret sesh. Were you... Were you? Did you go to cookies? No. Bro, that their store there is absolutely crazy. And they haven't even gotten licenses yet. So they're just like, hey, like we made like a giant building for merch. Like, it's wild. For merch. <laughs> yeah, well, for trapping. But well, because every... Like, I don't know what the... the in New York, it's just like a free-for-all right now, dude. It is crazy. Everyone just got the weed and they got the stores, dude. It's a, it's, it's a good time. Um, Dr. Frankenstein just asked how I feel about all the robotics getting involved. Oh, yeah. You can yeah, I don't, handle it. I don't feel good about robotics. And actually, um, 
so this is live right now so i can tell you guys uh, i have a piece dropping on friday for weirdos um which is like my baby at high times so we'll talk about that yeah i was bit. gonna get into all that um but it's about uh why the trap market will continue to exist in spite of the recreational market um and really has to do with like the, the customer service that exists there but an example that i go back to several times is how tropicana operates and they are still utilizing um migrant workers to pick their fruit because they lose uh, less fruit when, with human hands than they do in automation, right? So I think it sounds great to investors and like, you know, everyone wants to clean up margins and, and create more space for profit. Um, but I think that like, you know, even with like machine trimming, it's pretty clear to see that like, you know, you lose some of the magic. What about packaging? What about packaging? What do you mean? Like machines to package. I mean, because I've seen these uh, huge machines. You just pour in all your weed at the top, and then it like weighs it out with these machines. Oh, and just pops it into. The and then little... it like weighs out little eights or quarters or whatever you uh, do, and then it just comes down this little thing and then jars it yourself and then packages it, and I'm it separates like super big mad. In I'm not super mad at that. Um, I mean, I haven't actually seen. Like I mean, I'm sure a lot of the brands that I that I smoke are using it. So like I, I you know I they do it with mylar I, bags too. Yeah no no, no I, I actually I know they do it with mylar bags because you, sometimes you see the puffs like that's when they like they yeah. hit it with the nitrogen before right. So like um, I don't know I, I it's still early for me uh, on uh, that one. I'm not I'm not as mad at that as I am uh, mad at what's it called. Um, mad at uh like machine trimming and shit yeah yeah machine trim like i've seen some of these machines just like fucking destroy the whole nug you just put the stem in into the and it just rips it off and the nugs just sit there and then it goes through this tumbling machine and they just get pulverized and they just look like they've just been beaten abused and you're like it's yo where's the love into this baby dude you ever seen edward scissorhands mm -hmm. like i wouldn't want him trimming my nugs either I'm sure he'd be like, you know. He's a professional, though. He does look like he's a professional, but I don't know that he's got that, that fucking kind of But imagine detail. your fingers are scissors. I get it, but, like, you were, we need the trimmer scissors. Like, we don't need fucking, I like, mean, his pinky's probably a smaller blade than his middle finger. That's possible. You know that's what possible. I'm saying? He probably he got little... He did do the dogs. He did do the dogs. Yeah, he, like... Didn't you see the detail in some of his, like, artistic hedges? Like, that fool put some... Cute little precise cuts in there, dude. I mean, listen, it's it's entirely. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Possible. Like I said, uh, that, side of the <laughs> that side of the business. Uh, and listen, we'll improve anyway. You know what I mean? So it's not like, you know, whatever. But um, 
Yeah. No, but I, I, just, I, I like I like creating jobs. No, Let's I totally that. understand what you're saying. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I feel, in my personal opinion, that the quality of cannabis has kind of degraded with all the big uh, grows that 100%. are happening. Uh, you 100%. know, back before it was still kind of like taboo and not. It was still people were still scared to come out and grow. There was amazing weed. It was like craft cultivated. They had smaller rooms. Just think about the love that went into each plant. You they know were, what I mean? People they, were touching their shit every day. They were singing to it. They were playing music for it. They hands were, on. It wasn't just the like workers going into the plant. And I feel like the weed was way better. It looked more healthy. Like, and you could still find that because there's people that are still growing like that, be it indoor or outdoor. That just uh, well, that's why the small batch wave is becoming so prominent right and like again to the point of the weirdos piece it's dropping like i think it's that like the level the recreational market is designed today for investors and to make money it's not designed to cater to patients right and so like it's listen it's been a long time since we've even called them patients so like that's let's let's it's it's not because like i was smoking yesterday out you know where i'm always at and someone walks up to me goes what's your percentage on that what's your percentage on what He's like, on oh. the, he, that's how he asked me, like, what? Not, not what are you smoking? Or what, he goes, what's that percentage? And I looked at him square in the eye, and I go, percentage is bullshit. So, but that's the thing, and people are so mad about that because, like, bro, listen, he, he was like, it's the same. No, thing bro, as, I have the fifty-six percent. I was like, it's bullshit. It's the same thing. As, <laughs> first of all, saying you have over fifty-six percent, like, it, I can see the green in your plant, bro. <laughs> like, there's no, it's not more than fifty percent trichomes. Come on, um, number one, number two. Um, I think that like this is a pro. This is the, a part of the problem of a bunch of people legalizing who don't really know what the fuck they're talking about, right? Like we got now we're promoting this arbitrary metric, and like listen, it's not just it's not just them anymore because now it's affecting the, the phenos that people are choosing. You know what I mean? Like oh, this one tests higher. Like this is the one we got to. Like, this one yields more. This one has the better. Yeah. Everything is about more, more, more today, right? How many pounds out of are you, can you get out of the light? How many like how many like which plant is gonna fucking Yield wash the, the most and exactly. grow the quickest? And why do we don't we want to wait the longest? It's the for reason us? why it's the reason why indicas are so prominent versus sativa. I know where yeah. my fucking which, haze is at, uh, man. Which is another fucking misnomer set in itself. Indicas you know and sativas. I mean? Well, to me, indicas and sativas. What you're trying to say is upper and downer. Like but, that's. But to me, it was more the characteristics of the growth of the plant. Where indicas are more shorter, fatter, and they they're quicker, and sativas are longer. Because the effects is bullshit. Because I've given people. What they claim sativas that you know the high the piney whatever terpenes that describe those flavors that is all fucking misleading right now that for fucking incapacity they were high as fuck they couldn't handle it and they're like oh that's a good indica I was like well technically it's a motherfucking that was a super silver haze and they're like what no way yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah you're high as fuck so fuck your indica sativa bullshit so I just did this thing with Max Montrose the other day and it went horribly off the rails um and he was but he was talking about it at a very high level and he was pointing out that the the that is actually part of the bro science too is that the, like the way that they grow is actually not st- like specific to uh, hybrids and sativas like it's like it, they want it like people claim that you know what I mean so it's one of the common things but like that there's plenty of plants that like prove otherwise right um, again it comes down to the terp expression and like if we're breeding for THC like and this is I know 
cultivators are going to be mad at me when they hear this because a lot of people say, no, you can fucking grow for THC and not breed out other shit. But when that percentage goes up, other stuff is going down. Yes. And like that's the terpenes and all of the other shit that we don't even know about yet that like really fucking matter that That dictate the ride. Exactly. But science a lot of science today will tell us we don't know what we're talking about because those effects are those think those percentages are so small that it shouldn't actually have a chemical effect on us so we know they don't know what the fuck they're talking about but ask them if they ever got high (laughs) (laughs) but we don't have enough science and we don't have a system that promotes us understanding terpenes which is where with with the information we have today we believe all of the directional path is right so every state that comes on line that says all all that you need is thc percentage perpetuates this thing and then we get further with indica and sativa which i really don't understand why we haven't gotten to a place where we're just saying this is an upper this is a downer but the whole 70 30 indica sativa like whatever that's all arbitrary there is no actual percentage shit that says this is 70 30 this is and whatever. Then like sativa or indica edibles just as like throws me off the walls too bro. well that's anything made with distillate bro it's like you suck out every Everything that like and like, listen, this is actually this is a perfect example. Anybody who tells me that they want fucking something super high THC, have you smoked distillate vape pens? Because that is what you are saying you that is what you are saying you prefer if that if you want THC percentage. And like respectfully, that is the most bullshit high available. Like and not most bullshit. Like there's plenty more bullshit things. Like I would say Delta the Delta bulls the Delta stuff and like the CBD scans. Yeah, yeah. That's more bullshit. But um, <laughs> you know, uh, this is high up there on the bullshit list. Yeah, yeah, the whole uh, um, differentiating on the edibles is crazy, and the distillate too, because what people don't understand, and I think need to be more educated on, is the process. And I'm not saying it's a bad process, but it's basically like no one grows good weed and goes, you know what I'm gonna do with this weed? I'm gonna make distillate. A hundred percent. It's the bottom of the barrel stuff, and that's actually like <laughs> we talk about the investors, right, and the guys who are like trying to like. I'm not gonna throw out near names, but when they say, uh, "Oh, we're driving the price of the production of a pound down to a hundred dollars," like, why doesn't anybody ask how much they're gonna get for that hundred dollar pack? Because it's not gonna be the numbers that they think. It's not gonna be the numbers that compare to what they're getting in eighth jars. You know what I mean? It's gonna. And listen, actually, I don't know as much about this, but I've been I've heard from several people now, so I feel confident enough repeating it that like there is so much distillate available right now, and it is so cheap that it actually costs more to fucking produce than it does to just buy the, the fucking shit that's oh on the market. God. And that's everywhere in the country, or California? I mean, that's in California. Well, because I mean, like, like Oregon is going crazy right now, but and this Washington is, is crazy with all their excess products. This is what happens when supply outpaces demand. When everybody and their brother says, "Hey, I'm going to get into cannabis because there's a fucking multi-billion-dollar opportunity and thinks they can just do it." I mean, like, listen, I don't, all respect to Diddy, but like, <laughs> all these guys are just getting assets because they think that like this is the like this is the future, not realizing like you're dealing with produce and like to bring up Tropicana again. If the fucking oranges aren't sweet, no one's fucking buying them. They're definitely not going to be in every fucking grocery store. But that's I. That's also. So how do you feel like, because a lot of people will come up and they'll be like, yo, I'm trying to get in the cannabis space. Like, da, 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 da. what do you think I should do? I got this. I'm Honestly, ch- the best way to get involved in any industry that's hot is picks and axes, bro. It's like, this is the gold rush mentality, right? The mo- people who made the most money during the gold rush were not the guys who were mining for gold. It was the guys who were selling them all the accessories to go do what they wanted to do. 
So I'm not saying that the Mylar bag space is not fucking covered, right? But like, I do see plenty of kids coming out. Like, uh, is this fucking? Oh no, it's MJ Arsenal, right? But um, MJ Arsenal here is a fucking perfect example, right? That everyone's fucking making all sorts of crazy rigs. These guys just start making fucking small ones, right? Small, like, like affordable ones. Affordable, and, great rigs. Use code Adam Ill for fifteen percent off. Like, <laughs> that's. I'm sure they've done very well over the past few years. Yeah, you know they're very I mean? user friendly too. They're very user friendly, but it's also like, I mean, it's it's, a, it's, it's function a, over frills. You know what I mean? And I think that like a lot of the industry is still frills. And there's a lot of like signs that were in the bubble that are like people trying to create solutions to things that aren't actually problems. Like, I mean, with respect to Lagunitas, because obviously they've been around for a while now, but like, I don't know why anybody's still trying to do a cannabis mocktail. You know what I mean? Like, who's asking for that? Like there's a hundred of them and none of them sell. And like some of them, don't get me wrong. I love like the weed sodas and like Uncle Arnie's, for example. I'm like a big fan of those, like the, the high dose ones. Um, also just because they're fucking delicious. And like, you know, yeah. I'm going to drink that. Any, I'm going to drink sugar water anyway. So I might as well put some fucking weed in it. Um, but like, I think that like anybody who's saying, oh, we're going to try and win the bar space is like that you can't even go into that environment in, in today's market you know what i mean so like why would that be even something you're going after but because like oh we got to be something for everybody like all the people coming in looking for the wine mom like with respect to the wine mom i'm sure she's a very nice lady but like how much money is she spending on weed yeah. a year you know what i mean yeah. even if she comes in and spends two hundred dollars that t- the time she comes in or $400 or whatever because she's got no fucking idea what she's doing and she's got no bank account um, like how many times is that person going to whatever you should be catering to the person who's going to come buy your shit every time they right. get money you know what I mean like oh I got my fucking paycheck well I gotta go to the dispensary and re-up you know what I mean like listen not to sound like a fucking degenerate but like when I before I had this job like every bit of income that I had basically went to trying weed and like not intentionally whatsoever I would like pay rent and pay my bills and I'd be like oh I should do this this month I should do, I should go on vacation I should whatever nope all of the money would be like oh I found this weed deal I found this weed deal. oh that look at that weed look at that weed oh they got fucking weed sodas okay I guess I'm gonna get some of those and like you know there goes my whole check yep. like I, not no disrespect to anybody who like wants to be a consumer because I do believe and a very important thing that like the industry forgets is that legalization was not just to create more room for us it was to create room for all of the other people who have been scared to jump in right um but like we are at a time when everybody that there are all eyes are coming to the cannabis space so instead of trying to be the next gimmick or something like that why not just try and bring like real value to the space that is growing and maybe become a cornerstone you know what i mean like that state well and how do you feel about like because now every state's getting involved and every state's getting i know we'd briefly spoke about new york but we got like the midwest and you we were talking about finding your audience finding that target demographic for your brand like how do you feel about all these other states because some of these states don't like california is a, a giant market people don't realize how big california is and how many people actually reside in california where you take another state where like you know in los angeles alone i think there's five million people and then you go to like oklahoma and there's like five million people in the whole state yeah. So, and how many of those people in Oklahoma actually smoke weed? 
So, I mean, listen, I, again, to the point of like supply outpacing demand in most of these new markets, especially the ones that are used to dealing with agriculture, like they got a new cash crop and they're fucking going all the way into it. I think they said hemp is now like the fifth uh, highest grossing agricultural product in America now. Um, what? I yeah. everyone's trying where to get high fuck? off that hemp. Where the fuck is all that hemp going? You know what I mean? Like, it, probably a lot of, like, hemp concrete and shit like that. Actually, I just did a panel this weekend. There are two things I want to say about this. I just did a panel this weekend, and there are these guys um, in Tennessee, I believe. Um, they're hemp campus on Instagram. But uh, they are making houses with hempcrete that, like, are... Um, they're super resistant to, like, uh, weathering, but also they're super, super cost-effective. So a house that would, like, cost, like, normally, like, you know, a quarter million, half a million dollars to create, they can create for under 100, right? And uh, obviously, you know, that's just the hard cost. I'm sure there's more to it. But, like, that's... There, there are all sorts of crazy advancements that are going to come from this industry that aren't just directly, oh, I'm selling flour and, you know, whatever. Um, so I do think that there's plenty of future in, you know, the hemp space yeah. and all whatever. But every cannabis industry is learning the hard way that like not every wheat. First of all, that not all wheat is created equal. And second of all, that not everybody can grow weed and make a living off of it. Um, I will say that in most of these markets, the high end is more expensive than it's ever been. You know what I mean? Like, you, I, I don't know how often you see them, but like fucking a lot of these like super small batch guys, like they're selling their fucking ounces for like eight to twelve hundred dollars. Like, bro, I saw someone talk about an eight thousand dollar pound the other day, and I was like, what? I mean, is that like is that like the Zach Woods model where like they put it in with he gives you the mylar's and the uh, and the branded box and you feel oh the like, whole trap pack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I will say like that's like listen. <laughs> On one hand, I feel like, to me personally, there's no value that could ever, that weed could ever provide that that price point is worth it to me. But I also think that if you got a customer who's willing to pay that number, you should take it. You know what I mean? So, like, the market determines what value is, and I'm not, Look, you know. There's there's a market for everybody out there. That's why there's so many products. There's so many varieties of things, because there's something for everybody. You just got to find out what that is. 100%. 100%. And again, like, that's, that's what I mean. Like, being able to provide value doesn't necessarily mean, like, listen, for with respect, a lot of people can't grow za. You know what I mean? Now... I do believe there's going to be some marketplace for like like the value brands, like the $100 ounces. You know what I mean? Like when I was in college, $100 ounce, like if that was available to me at that spot, like maybe I went to salt weed and I just would have bought that, you know, once a week and fucking <laughs> and, and survived off that for a while. Um, but the value conversation is coming and eventually people are going to realize that like not every top shelf eighth should be $60 and the ones that aren't that don't really command that like retailers aren't going to be able to sell them for that price you know what I mean so like we're still a little ways from that and the conversation is still very well, much also a lot of the, the weed bottom. a lot of the weed also that is $60 an eighth you can also find that $30 an eighth but under a different label because a lot of these uh, brands are uh, white labeling and, and going to the same source and just doing their 100%. costs, so um, 100%. you know you gotta you gotta realize what you're what you're actually getting. I think, and like, listen, that's also why for me, I think the most trusted the most trusted experience you can have comes from actually knowing the cultivator, right? And like, if yes. you know this these this brand grows their own shit and is going to like whatever. But I will say the other side of the coin, and like, this is a, a model that I've become more comfortable with over time. 
I do like the idea of white labeling because for a brand owner, you don't have to deal with any of the downside and you can QC everything that goes into your product. I don't think many people are operating with that level of care, but I definitely think that like that's a cheat code for people who like have a refined palate and want to participate, but also like, you know, don't want to don't have the money to invest in the whole thing you know what, what's like a typical day for john capetta over with high times what's, a typical what, what's like what's like a day in the life because like, <sighs> i'm sure there's like high times one of the most recognizable brands in the world in the space I'm sure all these new brands I'm sure hundreds of brands because everyone thinks they got the next best product the next best brand they want to be featured what is like so being the vp of content what is that it's what a lot that of tail dude it's a lot of fielding communications that's for sure um Especially like sometimes silly things happen where like a press release will go out that has my phone number in it and then everyone will (laughs) uh, know how to directly get to me. Um, So like that happened uh, two days ago. Um, Oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, But uh, again, it's I I get like 400, 500 emails a day. Right. So like. A, making sure that I have to some degree go through those because I need to make sure that I'm not missing the the important stuff, right? Time sensitive shit. Then for me, I have like a lot of corporate stuff that I need to help with as well. Like in terms of like, I wouldn't even necessarily say brand direction, but just like brand voice. So like, for example, like we just announced this Moxie acquisition, um, which we actually, that's not, that's misleading. Um, We acquired the California operations of Moxie. Yeah, I heard that. I heard High Times now. So we, Billy is now part of the team. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited. Um, but uh, yes, their cultivation is now owned by High Times and we have a license for their brands and we'll continue to operate them in California. But what? That means High Times will be a secret session. <laughs> That's probably. I don't know. Moxie's been with. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) We'll see. Um, Yeah, that's like that's a whole different. uh, That was a fucking. (laughs) uh, That's a whole different uh, uh, conversation. Um, Just because, like, honestly, we're not like events aren't the priority that they once were for us. Yeah. I mean, especially now that like retail is like really. Uh, we have six stores in California. We have licensing deals to have us in a bunch of other states. We have our own product now. Um, but I will say I do my best to like keep not only me, but my whole team away from that side of the business um, so that no one can really try and fuck with our integrity. And I mean, I will say like we never write about our own branded shit unless it's like very clearly marked or something like that. Like there's never been a high times product in the cop list. You know what I mean? Um, And like the, or or, or high or brand that we, how did you come up with the weirdos column? The weirdo. So the weirdos thing was weirdos was about, I, when I came to high times, I took this, I I created a policy that like, I wanted us, I was, it was important that for the, I came to High Times at a, at a trying time for the brand, right? There's a lot of, like, moving parts, a lot of new people, and, like, the, the brand voice wasn't really sure, right? There have been a lot of changes over the last few years. A lot of people are pissed off at us about a bunch of somewhat valid, somewhat not things. And um, there was work to be done, right? So um, the first thing that, like, I enacted for the content, for the content team was that uh, I didn't want to tell any negative stories and like actually it's not true we'll tell negative stories that are like you know about the government or like you know people getting arrested and shit like that where like you know we got to tell shitty things happening but i wanted to focus as much of our efforts as possible on uplifting and inspiring and using the brand as like a lighthouse um i know there were like plenty of people who were like especially at that time like chasing ambulances and like there's a ton of traffic in watching the car wreck right but um for me 
I believe that high time should represent all of us. Um, and this is an industry that's uh, operating under some ridiculous uh, restrictions. And most people are just trying to survive. So instead of trying to play traffic cop for that, we could um, just focus on the people who we think are doing it right and are worth talking about. So because of that, um, I mean, first of all, a million people started hitting me up for product stuff because they know we're not going to talk shit about it anymore, um, number one. But number two, um, it didn't really give us much space to kind of be ranty, which like one of the things that I really love about High Times and I think that like has kind of gotten lost over the past you know, few decades is, um, it was really a home for creative writing back in the day. We had tons of people from Hunter S. Thompson to, uh, William Burroughs write for us. Right. So, um, I want to make sure that we're a leaving space for that kind of content, but also, um, you know, kind of having the conversations that are a little bit more difficult to have without pointing the finger at anybody, right? So, like for example, for weirdos, the one of the real insp- the real inspiration for like, hey, we need to tell more of these stories was there was this guy who wrote a creative piece for us um, about like dealing with schizophrenia. That's it's actually the seventh weirdos because uh, I republished it for that, but um, it's just this crazy beautiful story where like that kind of opened my eyes to like the beauty of madness and like like if you capture it correctly like just showing people a different perspective is like really powerful um so for me i figured this is a way for us to kind of let people share that perspective without creating like a contributor section where anybody could just say whatever bullshit they wanted to under our banner every single weirdos has been picked by or weirdo has been picked by me um all of them have, you know, been approved content. Like, I don't want to say approved content because I haven't really told anybody they can't do anything. But, um, like, we're making sure that we're not like, oh, hey, fuck this brand right. or anything like that. But, like, focusing on bigger things that, like, we can all benefit from. So, like, the first one I did was about THC percentage being bullshit. Yeah. Um, Preach it. Uh, the next one was... Uh, where does the money go, which kind of reverse engineered the cost of an eighth and showed why even a lot of the cultivators of the high end market, uh, market are not doing so well right now. Um, and that didn't even get into all the tax stuff and all that. But then, um, most recently I did a piece on shit talking and like what you kind of communicate to the world, which is usually a sign that like, you're more upset about whatever you're dealing with than like whatever everyone else is dealing with. Um, and again, actually, I will say that piece was very much therapy for me as much as like writing for other people. Like that was a lot of research that I did for my own benefit that like I was trying to share. Um, and like this most recent one is uh, about the reason or why I believe the traditional market will exist forever. Um, Hell yeah. But we've done a ton of shit from <laughs> like, you know, Jimmy did a piece. Jimmy Devine, who I think is one of the best weed journalists out there, um, did a piece about... Indica and Sativa. He called it Indica and Sativa for dummies, but the real purpose of it was to try and create a new standard for, like, what do we call these things? Right. And to the point about how they grow, he proposed uh, Afghani and Equatorial were two new categories that we can define these things as. So I am eventually going to, and probably at the end of the year, um, going to write a rebuttal piece to that that's like we're getting too complicated. Let's just say upper and downer. You know what I mean? Like this one, this one lifts right. your, or, or head and body, you right. know what I mean? But something like we gotta, 
We gotta not be difficult. We need the layman to understand. Yeah, who's it. gonna say fucking equatorial? Exactly. Fucking we don't need to sound. <laughs> we don't need to sound. Yo, is that equatorial dog? Where is that? But that has to no, do more with where, they're, yeah. where they're where from, they're from. Where right? they're from? Right? Land races. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like, I get that, but exactly. But like, it's, it's it's too specific. And also, like, I do. I fully believe, like, as a Jew in this country, I fully believe that America is far too racist to like. Like, I think the reason Afghani. why Afghani disappeared <laughs> is because no one wanted to call it Afghani. Afghani could. You know what I mean? Like, no, I feel it. So I feel it. I know there was a I, you got like Hex from Optic Gaming did a piece I saw about yeah, like yeah, yeah. I guess he felt the restrictions that we all dealt with uh, being so, banned on social media. So we had a bunch of people pitch that piece, and then actually I figured it was best for him to do it because it was a way that was like someone outside of our industry yeah. can feel this already, but also has the clout and like the money. Cause like the thing that we forget about the social platforms is like, it's basically like we're going to someone's house party and selling weed in their living room. Like eventually you can get away with it for a while, but like eventually like the homeowner is going to find out and like, they're going to kick you out. Yeah. Right. But if you had gone to the homeowner first and been like, yo, I got this weed. I want to sell it here. Like I'll cut you in. They're going to send all their friends to you. Right. Right. So that's like advertising on social media. Right. Like if we're, if we, you can give them money you don't lose your account you know what i mean like once you're paying for advertising like no one turns away a customer yeah and you get an ad rep who if you do lose your account is losing money so they want to get your account back as fast as possible yeah so like there are ways to play all these games that like you know we're just we're a fledgling industry we're yeah. just kind of getting our feet under us and like listen i will say influencers kind of spoiled advertising for a little while and i say this you know with all due respect i'm I, not an influencer but you know the, my point is that like they, they, we've <laughs> influencers we've spoiled not brands into things we have spoiled brands I'll, I'll include myself in this but we've spo uh, spoiled brands into thinking that they can just give us something we can create content for them and then we can get it seen when the traditional advertising industry works, like you got to pay to get content made, then you got to pay to get all the eyeballs on yes. it, right? So like when I was talking about before with like TV advertising, like brands like Geico are spending tens of millions of dollars every fucking week trying to get you to sign up for insurance campaigns. So like, yeah, they're huge and whatever, but like they're paying to stay there. Right. Whereas we think like, oh, once we get a strain that pops, like we're just, we're good for six months. Yeah, no, you know it's not I mean? like, like that. Nah, not at all. You gotta keep it going. Exactly. You gotta keep that, keep that invoice paid. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, but it's crazy because it just happened. It watered down the market, waters down. You know, everyone thinks they're an influencer. Like when I was growing up, you know, there was no like, I'm gonna be a YouTube star, a TikTok star, uh, I'm gonna be on Instagram. It was like, what am I gonna do to fucking be? You were had a passion in music and organically started throwing parties, and which got you involved. You started getting high. You fucking got marketing. You went to school. You figured out how to just be creative even more with some liberal art shit. And then you kept it moving. You were high times. And like, what's the craziest thing that you've done with high times? Because I know you've traveled all over. You've smoked with probably a lot of crazy celebrities. Um, bro, I don't know. Uh, with high times, there's, every month feels like a year with like, because so much shit happens. <laughs> um, I, I would still say like, I think the coolest people that I've met just that like meant the most to my childhood, like, <clears throat> I met a lot of uh, bands who I didn't know from this job since and like artists and stuff. But um, I watched Cheech and Chong when I was like 12 years old. Right. So like hanging with Tommy Chong was, you know, still right. Highlight. Um, <clears throat> Kevin Smith. Like I grew up on his shit. Like Jay and Silent Bob was my jump off when I was in high school. Right. And like so to talk with him and like actually have like a real conversation. And also like it's weird because 
like I'm gonna make this very clear. Like I work at High Times, and like obviously I I know you all know that I just got a job there. I just told you, but um, this is a fit, like almost 50 year old brand that like I'm carrying the torch for. Right. I'm a 32 year old guy. Like I haven't even been around as, as long. long as the shit. Right. Like, our creative director has been at the brand longer than I've been alive. Right. You know what I mean? So like. I, I'm very aware that I'm carrying a torch, but like it's also this weird privilege because like, you know, like when I sit down with Tommy, like he tells me about like how much the brand has helped him right. over the years, and as I'm geeking over like him, you know right. what I mean? Or like Kevin Smith, like is excited to like chat because like he loves the brand because yeah. they've been good to him over over time. You know what I like mean? Like me being able to work with the brand and um, you know, being a part of the the award ceremonies and traveling all over the world. Uh, because of the brand was amazing, but I think one of the coolest experiences I had was being able to go to an actual satellite radio show with uh, Mr. John Capetta because we were promoting a Cannabis Cup, I think, in, in Michigan. Michigan. And uh, Rue Jude, who was the host of uh, you know the All Out show. Uh, is from Michigan. I think he was releasing a brand or doing some. Uh, he put out hyena. Yeah, he put out a a, a strain out there with a company, and we were on there to promote. And I've been listening to that show because uh, I'm a huge radio dude. And uh, I used to watch him on Jenny Jones way back. So uh, have you read his books? Uh, hyena and uh, hummingbird. Hummingbird, bro. He's a he's a he's interesting, dude. He's okay, <laughs> I haven't re- I haven't read his books when we did the show. And oh then, yeah, yeah. And like we became like friendly in Michigan for that event, and uh, like he told me that he had written books, and I was like, I wonder what the fuck this guy wrote about. You know what I mean? And like, bro, whoa, like, so I had him on my show uh, when I was back on the uh, Be Real TV, and uh, I interviewed him, and I was going through his hyena book, and he, I, I was like, re- he goes, let me read it, and he like started reading his book on the oh, show. Okay. And this was talking about like eating, you know, girls out when they're periods and they just fucking talk about running trains at 13 years old, bro. <laughs> like, like, like that's actually when I read that book, I was like, wow, like I was sheltered. Like I did, <laughs> I did not like, like I, I got into, uh, you're I reading get, his book with your, you're like, wait, what? Yeah, wait, like, what? I, I like didn't even learn about that kind of shit yeah. until like, Years later, I was just trying to read them. I was just trying to get through my bar mitzvah. This fool's already (laughs) like exactly, exactly. Meanwhile, he's like dealing with flop houses and shit. No, that was a great, great moment, dude. Just being able to promote uh, cannabis on a you know public platform like that because you know anytime you can be on like mainstream media to promote cannabis, I always feel it's plus because we've been talked down to so much. And um, well, that's the craziest thing too. Like, I just went to the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference, and like, so they gave me an award. So it was like, it was cool. But like, I normally have never gone to any of those kind of conferences. And so, first day I get there, and I'm smoking weed outside, just waiting to like for the award ceremony to start. Like, you know, whatever. And some guys come out, like that are clearly they're wearing their badges. They're clearly with the conference, and they're like talking shit about how it smells like a Cheech and Chong concert. Or Cheech and Chong show. I was like, these motherfuckers. I wanted to blow smoke in their face. No one said shit to me. I was just like sore thumb, like whatever. Then I get this fucking trophy, and and now all of a sudden everyone's on my dick, right? Like, oh my god, who are you? What do you do? This, that, and the other thing, right, bro? The the I have never seen a more detached audience separated from the market they're trying to participate in like in my life and like listen i will say there are a few smart people who were there who were like you know wore the suit and tie and you know we're trying to get money 
but um like there were a few i mean i was with jerome baker and uh a few other guys and like it was like very clear like after the first night like people even even the guys that like kind of knew what was up like they were like see people smoking outside and then there'd be like one cloud that like really smelled good <laughs> you know what i mean like that was that was the cali kids i always say like whenever i go to weed events like especially these like new corporate like you know chat events i'm like where is the line for the people that actually have weed in their system like where's the i test positive for thc yeah, line right can i skip the line yeah because i, I actually know what i'm talking about this here? is a weed event right well i actually smoke it so yeah let me in dude well it's actually like so <laughs> this is kind of like i got mixed feelings about uh mj bizcon because they don't allow weed on the floor so like exactly I and mean, those I, lines are the longest to get in dude i was like i am not waiting in this two-hour line of fucking i'm going to vegas but i'm not going to mj biz you know the best place to go is just hang out right outside where everyone smokes weed <laughs> i'm gonna hang out in the casinos and then i'll go to the after parties yeah you know what, I mean? what the fuck do i gotta do what do i need to walk around and see all these cbd brands and hemp brands? if they're a cbd or hemp brand which that means which they are, probably are because they've fucking brought their shit there. Then they probably already tried to send me something and I already told them no. So I'm not interested in that. Number one, but number two, like a lot of the, a lot of the industry, like listen, I said before about picks and axes, right? This is a pick pick and axe con conference. If you're trying to go and like sell people your new fucking rolling tray or something like that, it is a good conference to go to. I am not pitching any of those things. So the same reason that like the fucking Benzinga conference is weird because like all these guys kept trying to offer me money to do fucking things afterwards. And I was like, nah, like I'm not going to leave high times to go yeah. do your weird new weed media. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, I've it, seen these apps and these texts and these backends and you know, come and go, you could go to any of these conferences. You see the how many say, social media platforms. Oh my God, seen? please, you know what I mean? please. And, like the and the thing about the social media is because everyone's there. And that's what I'm saying. The thing about social media, yeah, you can create your app. It's cool. But you have 3000 people that downloaded it and only five people use it. Like, exactly. What, what am I going to do on that? Like, exactly. I appreciate you. Yes, I can post whatever I want, but three people are going to see it. The reason I left New Paltz once I got out of college <laughs> is I didn't want to be the big fish in the small pond. Yeah. I would rather be a regular sized fish in a normal sized pond. Go after it. Go with the flow. He's swimming in the sea, dude. Look, John exactly. Capetta. I, we could talk for a couple more hours, but I know it's getting late we got things we got to get into i don't want to hold you up nah, bro, I, appreciate I know ken's you. fingers are getting tired out here we got the live music going he's just out here i see his fingers smoking <laughs> i know we got family waiting we out here shout out to everyone watching it look i learned a lot john capetta thank you for having me this is a lot of fun vp of content at high times i learned a lot i learned you just you just follow your passion just don't stress keep pushing shit works out just keep it going yeah. Do what you love. Have faith and it'll work out. Don't 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 try to go against the grain, dude. Just go with it, dude. We're in a simulation I mean, anyway, dude. You can no 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 no. No, no we're no. in a simulation. You it's can just gonna go, work out. You can go against the grain, but like as long as you just trust whatever path you're on, it doesn't matter what grain is moving against it because you'll fucking force your way through. Like it, that's Look. my whole thing was like I growing up I did not want to be what they told me I was supposed to be you know what I mean I was pushing as far even away though from I was that going against the grain I didn't feel like I was going against the grain I was doing what I felt was exactly. right I'm doing exactly. my passion I'm going with my flow Look even though I was getting talked to down my whole life growing up because I smoke weed I'm gonna be a loser drugs are bad you're not gonna do nothing I never bugged anyone for money I never bugged anyone for shit I ended up getting paid to smoke weed right exactly now they all ask me for weed. 
So I knew what was right. I felt it. I will say going from a weed dealer to a weed giver outer is like, I didn't have it on any of my bingo cards, but oh man, was it like- Feels great. Great. It's fantastic. I mean, when you're on stage, you've experienced it and you just have like a pound of weed and you're like, bless the people. It just feels great to be able to do that. Even like, even just the merch and stuff like that. Like I get so much shit now that like, you know, people, whenever anybody sends me any weed to try, they like also send like 10 pounds of merch. And so it's like, okay, well I can't wear 15,000 sweatshirts. You know what I mean? So like I got to move some of them out. People are so excited to have them. It's a brand you don't even know, but like- it's a cool sweatshirt it has a cool weed logo on it dude exactly Exactly. look dude we we can talk we keep talking but i appreciate you hanging out i know they were talking about your shoes i know you're a man of many kicks these are the kendrick lamar um house shoes the nike collaboration (laughs) i see you got our boy detroit cookie co on the sweats dude yes i figured you know it was appropriate because i was coming in here we need to get some of them cookies too look i I haven't been to detroit in a minute I know we need. I need to go back. I appreciate. I'll go back to Michigan. There's the mint and all together, dog. Their weed scene is crazy over there, dude. Totally. John Capetta, check him out. You do the social medias too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. At John Capetta, J O N C A P P E T T A. Two yes. P's, two T's. It's probably in the bio description. We got all that shit. You can look at it. Probably the link over there. If we're on YouTube too, you can type it, see it, all that. Thank you so much for coming through, Kentron. You're the man. I appreciate you. The big nod. Thank you, Matt, too, for everything. Uh, everyone tuning in live, I appreciate you. Everyone listen to this wherever you're at. You're amazing. I appreciate you guys. Uh, go go hit up. You know what, dude? Hit up your parents if they're out here and just tell them, tell them what's up. Just say hi. Just say hi if you haven't hit them up. Just say what's up. Yeah, call your mom. Yeah, or your pops or whoever, dude. Just, just whoever you love. Just say hi to someone. All right, we'll see you guys next time on the podcast. Bye. Hell yeah. This one. Hell yeah, we're still live on Twitch. Podcast. You guys want to take phone calls or whatever it is not recorded? I got it. I got it. Oh.